Hello, my name is Casey DeRee. I'm a lieutenant with Albuquerque Fire Rescue. Hi, I'm, my name is Carmen Martinez-Tipman and I'm an independently licensed behavioral health provider and I spent about four years working with firefighters. A big thing and a big subject that's on all of our mind is PTSD and depression and, you know, and factors that challenge firemen throughout their careers. So the first question I'm going to talk to you about, um, how, how do you think a firefighter can notice with oneself that there's a problem with PTSD or depression? That's a great question, Casey. And first of all, I would just like to thank you and thank AFR for creating this forum to address these really important issues for firefighters. I think it's it's just crucial that that these issues be talked about and paid attention to. So the the question is um, a good one, and the, the the most important thing is that firefighters pay attention to what's going on with them. So um, depression and PTSD gives the body and the mind a lot of signals. Um, symptoms such as a change of sleep patterns or uh, suddenly being more startled, whereas before that wasn't necessarily a problem, or um, feeling excessively irritable, or um, feeling sad, or sleeping more, or sleeping less, or changes in appetite. So basically what you're looking for are changes, right? Like changes from previous baseline functioning. And, you know, having worked with firefighters, one of the things that I think I can say um, you know, fairly, fairly honestly, is that firefighters um, tend to have certain characteristics of stoicism, of, um, you know, incredible hard work and, and getting the job done. But sometimes they put their own health on the back burner. And sometimes they tend not to pay attention to what's going on with themselves and kind of push through a situation, right, to get the job done. Um, I mean, some of these characteristics are really helpful in, in the job that they have to do. And where health is concerned, sometimes you have to really pay attention, slow down, and notice little tiny nuances that your body is giving you, signals, you know, something's not right. Um, before it gets to the place where you're having heart palpitations or panic attacks, usually there's some signals before that comes. Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is that firefighters have to pay attention to what's going on with themselves. Does that answer the question? Was there another yeah, part to no, it? Yeah, I, I think that answers it. Yeah. Answers it very well. I mean, yeah. I, I can definitely relate to that. I know, and I've talked, discussed this with you, I know in the past, I think I was about eight years into my career when I noticed some big big changes within myself and mm -hmm. and you know it all happened when I was at a busy station I was on shift and I started kind of you know just not feeling well within myself so I mean maybe those are the changes you're talking about and then I started thinking like man am, am, am I good am I am I all there I started having just kind of just just weird bouts of I guess you can call it anxiety where I had I had trouble concentrating I had trouble sleeping. My, my eating was horrible. I mean, I was still working out and doing things that I've always loved that have helped me. But, you know, it, I, I don't know. I was just, I was feeling a mess. And, and I actually made a bunch of appointments with like, you know, cardiologists, neurology. I had endoscopies done, you know, because I thought I was having GI issues. I was a mess. And everyone was telling me, oh, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And I started, you know, seeking counseling and about that time is I think when the MBSR, M MBSR st stuff started happening. And, uh, 
And through that, I mean, just, you know, with the meditation and then kind of increasing, you know, my magnesium and sleep and stuff, I mean, it kind of helped. And also, I mean, this kind of brings me into like the thought of like what types of people, you know, seek this profession, you know, do you think, um, you know, people for, that have had previous traumas or, you know, do they, do they relate to specific, you know, things within the job? Is that why they choose this job? And like, you know, due to the fact that they had previous traumas in, in their life, you know, maybe this job is like an outlet and then, you know, something will kind of come out of the woodwork eventually. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, th this is a question that I became really fascinated with when I worked with firefighters for four years. Like, what would make a person want to go into firefighting? Because in, in some ways, it's a really brutal profession. Mm -hmm. You know, it's brutal on your sleep patterns, on your physical health, and in some ways, your behavioral health. So I think what I can say about that is, is that um, my hunch is that if you did a survey of firefighters and you asked them about their history, their childhood, if they were to be honest, that you would find a large percentage of at least exposure to trauma, if not what we call ACEs, which mm -hmm. are adverse childhood experiences of different kinds, right? And that's not a source of shame, but what it should be is a source of awareness, because what trauma history does is it leaves the nervous system compromised and vulnerable. And so if you take an already vulnerable nervous system and then you expose layers of trauma on top of that already vulnerable nervous system, eventually that nervous system is going to scream for attention, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's either going to collapse into some kind of physical health condition or manifest into some kind of behavioral health condition. And we can't say, you know, like a formula, exactly this is gonna happen or for how long, because it's different with different people. But I think the implications are, again, awareness. And this is one of the, the ideas that I had when we were working with um, Mind Body Fire, which is based on John Kabat-Zinn's mindfulness-based stress reduction, is that we, we had the, the advantage and the privilege of working with cadets for quite a while. And, um, you know, to, to have some kind of action plan for cadets as they come into the fire service so that they have to go through and kind of map their life mm -hmm. and, um, and pinpoint and target their adverse childhood experiences or any kind of previous trauma that might leave them vulnerable to trauma exposure now, I think would be really helpful because the key is raising awareness. Mm -hmm. And you don't, you know, raise awareness, especially now you're letting in what, 18, 19 year olds, yeah. um, unless it's kind of in the system and mm -hmm. it's structured mm -hmm. and it's also part of the culture. Yeah. So this has been also an issue for firefighters is that these kinds of things have been difficult to talk about. But I think things are changing and they're changing within mm -hmm. AFR. There's some really wonderful things happening here. And so if from day one, if the cadet, when the cadets come in, we start talking about, hey, what do you think about trauma? What is it? How has it been? How's it played out in your life? So that you sort of begin to diffuse the power of this word even exactly. so that um, people can can develop kind of a personalized, individualized map for themselves mm -hmm. and then begin to understand 
you know, their own personal resilience because it's di it's different for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's, I mean, it's a great point you made. I mean, because, I mean, it's going to happen, right. you know? I mean, trauma is going to happen regardless if it happened in, in your previous you know, life prior to being a fireman or not. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna be involved. You're gonna see something. You're gonna be experience. You're gonna experience something, and it's gonna affect you in some way. Yeah, exactly. And I want to follow up with just saying this is why, you know, the work of the IAFF, the International Association of Firefighters, has been so important around making the distinctions between trauma exposure, traumatic injury, and then traumatic yeah. disorder. So you know. All firefighters are going to be exposed to trauma. Many firefighters are going to develop an injury related to that exposure. And then a smaller percentage of firefighters are going to develop post-traumatic stress disorder. But this is a really healthy, I think, way of thinking about it because it also connects the fact that the exposure, the traumatic exposure is what's causing these symptoms. It's not Something's not wrong with you. It's what is happening to you, right? Yeah. And so it's job related. And in that sense, there are things that you can do to mitigate damage. Do you think that some firefighters are more susceptible to some of these things due to, you know, you know, more PTSD, depression, if there's hormonal changes within oneself or even like inherited traits? You know, I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's kind of a broad question, mm -hmm. but getting into the fire services can we predict or see, you know, which firefighter is going to basically be affected by this because of specific things? Or is this kind of like... You know, I think that is a, a broad question. And, and I think we would want to look at, at data for yeah. the specific answers to that. I, I do think that, you know, we know based on data that um, ACEs set you up for um, nervous system vulnerability and the potential for compromise. So um, if you've had ACEs in your, in your history, you know that, you know, exposure to trauma is going to affect you. And, and for some reason, you know, some people are just more resilient than others. It has to do with constitutional factors. You know, it has to do with upbringing. It has to do with genetics. Who knows? You know, resilience is a huge field and area of study that is hugely interesting and fascinating and totally salient and meaningful to firefighters. But, you know, we don't really totally know although there is a huge body of, of data about resilience, you know, what exactly makes somebody more resilient than others? But I think the important piece of this is that each, it's incumbent upon each firefighter to understand their own constitution, right? It's like when I was working with firefighters, one of the things I used to say and joke about is, I would last probably less than 24 hours in this profession. I don't think I, I mean, I could not do it. I could not because. Are you talking about socially? Like in the social? <laughs> oh, no, I'm talking about just the tasks, oh, you the know, tasks. the okay. tasks of, um, I mean, women tend to have more kinds of sleep issues than men oh, because okay. of hormones like and things yes. like that. But the sleep deprivation alone would just send me running to the hills, you know? Yeah. So um, I think, again, the important piece of this is self-awareness and mm -hmm. understanding really developing as as kooky as this sounds mm -hmm. you have to develop a, re a relationship with your own nervous system your parasympathetic and your sympathetic mm -hmm. nervous system because it's also inevitable that firefighters have to move into sympathetic right yes. 
you have to do that in order to do your jobs. So how do you unpack? How do you reset? And different things work for different people. So again, it's like every firefighter has to begin to be curious about how do I tick? What works for me? You know, meditation doesn't work for everybody, but it works for a lot of people, you know. But the science is in on these kinds of modalities like meditation, yoga, body relaxation, that it does access and promote uh, functioning of the parasympathetic and shifting you into a place of rest and digestion, which is um, the task of the body is to digest both both physically and emotional experiences right exactly and that yeah that actually goes into my next question you know as far as what types of things can we do and you kind of answered it you know to alleviate these stressors that will eventually lead to depression ptsd things like that i mean i mean you talked about the meditation and is there any other types of um, natural medicinal stuff, or is there specific medication, medica- medicational treatments? I mean, or is there, um, you know, you know, therapies that you know one can access? I mean, what are your thoughts, and what are the best routes for that? I mean, I know you don't know all the different routes that we have to take, mm-hmm. but um, you know, if you know if something's a little bit more extreme for one individual, you know, if, like you said, meditation doesn't work or if trying to, you know, increase vitamin supplementation or, you mm-hmm. know, sleep or whatever, if it doesn't mm-hmm. work. I mean, what's, what are the next steps? Well, I mean, I think the most important step is prevention. Yes. And this is doable, right? Like, you, you, you cannot necessarily um, completely avoid, uh, say, firefighter suicide. But what you can do is begin to target depression. That is the um, prerequisite for this kind of suicide. So um, you want to prevent, and you prevent through self-care. And in order to implement self-care regiments, you have to be aware, and you have to commit, and you have to have the same kind of discipline. I mean, firefighters are incredibly disciplined people, you know, as you know. You guys couldn't get through the academy alone and then do what you do and do it on no sleep and everything else. So that same kind of discipline that you apply in your field, in your profession, you need to apply to yourself and your own self-care. So setting up, like I said, before these symptoms happen, some some system of self-care. Now, once you experience symptoms, you know, your body is now screaming. You haven't listened to the whispers, so your body's having to scream. And now you're probably going to require s- some more intervention. Yeah. Um, counseling, um, sometimes medication helps. You know, trauma-informed kinds of counseling modalities are important for firefighters, uh, important for anybody who's experiencing trauma. So what that means is that it's a shift, it's a shift from, you know, uh, what's wrong with you to what is happening to you, right? So um, there's several several different kinds. Medications sometimes help. Uh, you know, trying to get your sleep back um, regulated is really important, really difficult for yeah. firefighters. Uh, nutrition is huge. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, awareness of alcohol use, risky drinking, uh, vitamin B, uh, the B12s, all the vitamin Bs are huge for stress, yeah. uh, stress depletion. 
And then these kinds of um, addendum therapies or adjunct therapies like Reiki or massage, uh, acupuncture, and then of course all of the um, systems of like yoga, meditation, yeah. and massage and, and um, body relaxation are very, very important for re-regulating, uh, coming back to a place of regulation and accessing the parasympathetic nervous system. Working out is good. Um, you know, firefighters tend to lean on working out, yeah, right? It's the go-to, you know? go mm -hmm. and it, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, the important thing about accessing the parasympathetic nervous system is the breath. The breath is the communicator to the nervous system. So anything that accesses the breath, this is why yoga and meditation are yeah. so, so good because it, the breath is key and primary. So I know one of the big issues I always had coming off shift, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of the guys can relate and gals can relate to this is, um, coming off shift, you know, you, you transition from a 48 hour, um, shift, you know, and we're going home where we're going to have four days off. My, my wife's biggest gripe always was just, I come in the house and I don't know if it's because I was on shift for 48 hours. And this, ha and this is regardless if it's a busy cycle or if it's not, my mentation and my demeanor is always just really awkward and rough. And the transition from the, the fire station to the house, you know, it's, it's always a weird transition. And I've been doing this for, you know, almost 15 years now and mm -hmm. it hasn't gotten any easier. I mean, I'm always trying to work on it. I'm trying to do things. And I mean, it's gotten to the point where like, you know, I'll pull up to the front of my house. It's in the morning. I have to sit in my truck, you know, probably about five, 10 minutes and just kind of breathe and think about, you know, what's going to happen. Okay. Everything's going to be good. I'm going to walk in there. I'm going to say to my kids and I, and you know, I don't know if other firemen, you know, deal with the same thing or try to talk to themselves. I mean, whatever. I just try to kind of get ready to transition back into the, to the real world, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, do you, and with that, do you think that there's anything that, you know, any tips or anything you can give to the guys as far as like changes that they can make or things that they can do basically to transitioning back to home life or changes they can make maybe within their life, you know, that like, you know, quick little changes or little, mm -hmm. little, little, you know, like little breathing exercises or I don't know anything. You know? Well, you just expressed it beautifully. And I think, again, the first step is awareness and acknowledgement. Like you noticed, right? Yes. And you have acknowledged that this is a difficult transition. And you are not the only person or the first firefighter that I've heard talk about this, you know, in our work with Mind Body Fire. Firefighters talked about this a lot yeah. and how, um, you know, the first day, it was almost like they were coming back into themselves and figuring out their life and transitioning, right? But what makes it hard is the the wives and the kids want their husband and their daddy like yeah. that. And, um, and so, you know, realistically, probably exactly what you're doing is just perfect, Casey, in terms of like taking 10 to 15 to 20 minutes to try to reset, you know, try to acknowledge whatever kind of little ritual you figure out for yourself. You did a, a great thing of just breathing and talking to yourself and saying, like, now I'm going into the house, I'm going to be a dad and a husband. That's a great yeah. thing, you know. So whatever firefighters can figure out for themselves a little transition ritual, 
uh, once you give yourself the permission and, and to acknowledge that and that that's important, I think everybody can come up with their own creative way of doing it, you know. But I think because, you know, there's so much there's so much layered and so much involved there. Like you don't want to come in and lay your experience on your spouse or partner, right? Mm -hmm. Because for different reasons, right? Yeah. You just, you, and you got to get into the program of this other part of your life and yourself. And there's expectations there from, you know, partners and children, you know, they don't understand and they're not, the kids aren't developmentally able to sort of digest everything that, nor should they have to, right? That dad or mom is gone through. So. Yeah. It's, it's huge and it's layered. And um, um, these are the little things that, you know, like I thought I kind of understood what it was like to be, uh, you know, the, the firefighting profession because my son is a firefighter. But I really didn't mm -hmm. until I started working with firefighters. Yeah. I learned so much. And this is one thing that is really key. And I think doing what you're doing and designing that for yourself and giving yourself permission to do it is is really a, a step towards towards health and wellness right it's little things it's not huge things it's a tiny thing like that yeah how do we know and how do we recognize signs and symptoms and you know specific things within our firefight our other firefighters that we work with i mean is, is there is there things that you know they'll display is there key points that like little triggers or anything like that what do you think yeah, I think this is a really important question because as we know, firefighter suicide is a huge problem, right? Mm -hmm. And suicides don't just happen one day. Like a person doesn't doesn't just wake up one day and say, today's the day that I am going to end my life. It is a cumulative series of things that at some point has been depression, severe and profound depression, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, what you're looking for is changes in behavior, right? And suicide um, may not be totally preventable, but depression is, or at least it's addressable and treatable, right? So you're looking for changes in people's behavior. And so when you are at a station, you learn people pretty well, right? They're like your family, like you know these guys, right? And um, I think it's important to just know that it is important to do something. So depending on what you see in the person, if you see the person either withdrawing, whereas before they were sort of socially engaged, or if you see the person drinking more, mm -hmm. like drinking is a big problem with firefighters, and you can kind of tell when people have been drinking excessively or if somebody's drinking on the job, if you see people having a lot of trouble with um, regulation, meaning sort of keeping themselves under control, if they're suddenly um, kind of losing their temper or kind of losing it, mm -hmm. or if they're sort of melting down and freaking out, or if they seem sad or withdrawn, these are all signs and symptoms of depression. If you notice that somebody who previously had a great appetite and would come, because firefighters eat, communally right yeah, they eat yeah. together so you guys learn each other's eating habits yeah. right so previously a person was eating heartily and and enjoyed their meals and all of a sudden they're not eating and they're locking themselves up in their room or you know Some they kind of seclusion seclusion withdrawal yeah. isolation you're looking for a change in behavior and then once you see that you know what's important is to have the person um Somebody who has a relationship with that person, reach out to them. Yeah. 
and just say, hey, we're concerned about you, you know, mm -hmm. um, just the way you would a friend, because these guys are, you know, your brothers and sisters. And yes. so um, does that answer the question? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I think it, you know, it, it makes me think about um, one of the cadet classes that we had. It was one of the, he's actually the youngest cadet in the history of AFR. And he said, you know, I really think that there needs to be specific people that really understand firefighters and firefighter culture that work with firefighters. So in terms of like counseling, right? Yeah. Because we were um, doing education around wellness and we, we had our Mind Body Fire program at that time. And I said, well, there, there actually is. And he said, really, I didn't, didn't know about it. And that's MAPS, right? Mm -hmm. Which is yeah. our members assistance program through our local 244. And the great thing about that, and I'm not dissing on the EAP program, the EAP program yeah. is great too, but the great thing about MAPS is that you've got people in there who know and understand firefighter culture. And that's the big thing. If you need assistance with mental health and wellness, contact our health and wellness officer, Lieutenant Miguel Titman, at 505-362-5614 or email mtittmann at cabq.gov. You can also access MAP, EAP, peer support, and other mental health resources available on Target Solutions. Thank you for joining us and stay safe out there.